0: Sunday school teachers and the people who serve as deacons and trustees and the people who come here early to make the coffee, and we're very blessed here at Nielsville. We appreciate that. The uh, scripture today is uh, from John chapter 15. Uh, You can find it on page 901 of your pew pew Bible. Um, It is the farewell discourse that Jesus gives uh, on the, the night of the Last Supper, and he tells his disciple he needs to go the disciples are, to love one another and to receive the Holy Spirit. It's a familiar passage to many of us, I think. So reading from John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. He is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, what a privilege to be back. I preached here, I think it was four or five years ago, but I uh, walked in this morning. It was like a new church Got uh, a beautiful reception area and um, some great additions here. And it looks like a church that's on the move, uh, eager to reach uh, new folks in the Germantown area. Um, as uh, Brian mentioned, uh, I'm a native here. I actually grew up in Washington Grove. And um, but it's been great to be partner here with, in a lot of ways, with uh, Galesburg Church. Um, we've had some healthy cross fertilization over the last uh, several years. Also, want to mention my my father and my brother are here. Raise your hand, Dad Donald. Um, and um, we just finished a couple weeks vacation, so feeling rested. Also, want to thank thank uh, Jen Park for four years of missionary work over Galesburg Presbyterian <laughs> Church as our bookkeeper, did a phenomenal job. I, I was so blessed to have her um, uh, with us for those four years. Uh, did some great work with uh, numbers and figures. So um, let's, uh, let's begin in prayer, shall we? Lord, open up our hearts to you. Help us to see what you want us to see and uh, allow you to insert your truths along with your love into our hearts. We pray this, uh, trusting that you will do your work. In Jesus' name, amen. So it was uh, 1987. I was on an international flight from Hong Kong to Los Angeles. I was 24 years old. Uh, I had just completed a self guided pre Tiananmen Square tour of some of the major cities of China. Not easy to do in 1987. Before that, I just finished a two-year stint as a volunteer Christian uh, English teacher in a Christian school in some of the northern mountainous regions of Thailand. Before that, I had finished a four-year bachelor's degree in um, Davidson College, which if you're not from the South or you don't follow basketball, you may not have heard of down in North Carolina. And... Um, as I was sitting on the plane, uh, looking forward to getting back on Native American soil, looking forward to hearing English spoken in the streets again, looking forward to walking down the, uh, down the street and buying a hamburger. This was still in the pre-nutrition you know, nutrition age where just a hamburger was a hamburger, <laughs> 1987. Um, I thought to myself, you know, I think I've arrived. Uh, I think... I've grown up. I think I'm pretty much done. I mean, I'm finished growing up, right? I've, I've done all the training. Um, I, I think I'm good to go. I mean, what haven't I done? I've been to school. I've lived around the world. I've lived on my own. Heck, I spoke three different languages by that time. And I really thought, you know, I think the rest of life is just gonna be sort of on that cruise button. <laughs> Now, people over 35, maybe some younger than 35, are laughing because they knew I had a surprise coming up. Um, Compared to the 27 years since then, um, as many of you can imagine, those first 24 years seemed kind of like preschool. Um, At age 24, I was, figuratively speaking, walking into kindergarten compared to what I had to learn after that. Was, I think it was a few years later on that I realized, you know, this, this growth stuff, <laughs> I don't think this is going to go away. I might be continuing to learn for many years to come. I might be continuing to change for quite a while. I might have to be continuing to grow for, uh, gosh, maybe even into retirement. Could it be? And so um, I I realized that new habits, new attitudes, new relationships, new ways of seeing things might just go on for the rest of my life. It was a startling discovery. Maybe you figured that out much earlier than I did. I was a bit of a late bloomer. But um, it was a startling discovery and um, I think, you know, we can think of that in terms of life terms, but we can also think of that in terms of our uh, Christian walk, as Paul does in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, when he's addressing a group from Corinth in the letter, and he says, you know, I wanted to give you solid food, but I had to just give you spiritual milk, because you weren't ready. Then he says, kind of, Kind of harsh, he says. Indeed, you're still not ready. Ouch. Um, As Paul lived and ministered among them, he sensed that while there was so much more for them to learn, they, for some reason, were reluctant to go beyond the ABCs of the Christian faith. Uh, Glenn McDonald, a um, pastor, Presbyterian pastor uh, in the Midwest wrote this book called The Disciple-Making Church. He says it like this, talking about churches. He says, to be sure, when Jesus said, follow me, he was calling for a decision. As churches, however, we have tended to excel at the theology of decision-making, the theology of decision-making, but have by and large failed to develop an appropriate curriculum for disciple-making we have struggled to find ways to help ordinary people get beyond the choosing of particular Christian activities and to learn how to think, act, and be like Jesus in every possible respect every day of the week. Which brings us to our passage today wherein uh, Jesus says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. Brings up an interesting question, doesn't it? Think about it, we've heard that phrase so often, we, the the irony I think is lost on us. Why would you ask a branch to remain in a vine? Did you ever think about that? Why would you ask a branch, please remain in the vine? Do branches have other options? (laughs) I mean, can a branch opt out of vine participation? What if, what if remaining in the vine were, were optional? What if a branch could sort of be like, you know, one week off or one day off, sort of a freestanding agent, you know, outside of the vine? What, what if you walked into a, a grape vineyard, and on a given day, you know, one out of every seven branches was just sort of Taking a break, or, or you walked into a tomato garden and you know there was a few branches on the on the vine, but the rest of them were lying down the ground, just kind of you know soaking up the rays, uh, snuggling in the in the shade of the other branches, just taking a break. I mean, what would that be? be ridiculous, right? If that sounds silly, then how silly is it the idea that six out of every seven christians on any given day might be on snooze mode what if half of every christian was a sort of a non-participatory freestanding believer on leave of absence from the work of christ does that sound silly no great producing today, Lord. I'm, I've got a heavy load at work. I'm in the middle of a project right now, God, so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to get to the growth stuff soon enough. I'm, I'm in a holding pattern, Lord, um, but I'm going to consider getting back to growth um, as soon as vacation is over, right? End of August, maybe middle of September. Get, get the kids figured out first. What would Jesus say to this? Well, what does he say in this passage? He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Any branch that doesn't bear fruit gets cut off, right? Somehow we've gotten into the uh, mentality that we can drift in our faith and it's okay to drift. I know we've gotten into that mentality because somewhere early on, I guess even in the days of Jesus' early ministry, Jesus feels compelled to recognize the seemingly ridiculous possibility that one of his precious branches, one of his precious branches that he died for, could, if they so choose, opt not to remain on the vine. And so Jesus, almost as a concession, says, please, please, would you consider staying on the vine? Apparently we have a choice. Grapevine branches don't have choices. Tomato vine branches don't have choices. But apparently we have a choice. How gracious is that? So, if we choose to remain on the vine, since we do have a choice, if we remain on the vine, at least three things will happen. These aren't suggestions. This is what is going to happen if we remain on the vine. Number one, your faith will expand. Okay? Why? Branches grow, right? That's what they do they grow. A healthy plant, a healthy vine, has branches that are growing. Have you ever seen a vine with some branches that stay the same size and other branches that are growing? No, they're all growing, right? Now, what if you encountered among those growing branches one branch that was not growing anymore? what would the vine grower do? Right? Obviously. So, if you're plugged into the vine, if you're drawing closer to the Lord on a daily basis, if you're in touch with and in tune with the people of God and God's work in the community, if you're feeding on the Word of God and applying it to your life, don't expect your faith to remain the same size. Right? How could it? I'm always tickled by parents whose youth come back from our, our youth mission trips over at Gettysburg, and um, they go, "Wow, look, he's he's changed. I mean, he's he's doing more work at home, and, and he's being more helpful around the house, and uh, he's coming to church more regularly. He's committed. Oh, man, you guys are miracle workers." And I say, "Look, he he got plugged in. <laughs> he is maturing spiritually. This is what this is what." happens when you're plugged in and guess what he might get spiritually more mature than you god forbid it could happen what if it does if he if he becomes more spiritually mature than you i'm not going to apologize for him hey there are folks who are more spiritually mature than me in our church and i say more power to them so your faith if you're plugged into the vine your faith will expand it's going to happen That's number one. Number two, the Holy Spirit will flow through you. Okay, every branch attached to a vine, by definition, has sap flowing up from the ground through its inner channels, flowing to all parts of that branch, right? That's what happens. Imagine a branch that stopped up the sap right at the, at, the, at the root there, wouldn't let it through. What, what, what kind of branch is that? Do you ever see branches doing that? The only way sap would stop flowing through is if, is if the vine was cut off or the branch was cut off one or the other. But sap flows through a branch. So if there's no sap flowing through the branch, what does the vine dr- dresser do, right? Snip, snip. So if you're plugged into the vine if you're drawing closer to the Lord on a regular basis, if you're in touch with and in tune with the people of God and God's work in the community, if you're feeding on the Word and applying it to your life, don't expect to live an ordinary life. Don't expect to put the Bible down, pick up your Tom Clancy novel or whatever you happen to be reading, and expect life to go on as usual. Don't expect to think or talk or feel Or act like the people around you sap flows the Holy Spirit moves right this isn't the X-files or Harry Potter but an alien being will abduct you we call that alien being the Holy Spirit and he will change things in your life that's a natural outgrowth of being a branch that's plugged in. The Holy Spirit will flow through you. Number three, you will bear fruit. Right? You will bear fruit. That's what branches do. They bear fruit. Have you ever seen a branch on a healthy plant plugged into the vine that doesn't bear fruit. Now, what kind of fruit? That could vary. Maybe big fruit, maybe small fruit, maybe red grapes, maybe white grapes. Maybe not the best grapes on the vine. Maybe bitter grapes rather than sweet grapes. I don't know, but bearing fruit will happen if it's plugged in. If a branch, perchance, is not bearing fruit, What do you do with such a branch? Just snip it off. So, if you're plugged into the vine, if you're drawing close to the Lord on a regular basis, if you're in touch with and in tune with the people of God and God's work in the community, if you're feeding on the Word and applying it to your life, expect positive influence on the people around you. Expect people to come to faith through your life and testament. Expect your workers, wherever you may be working, to work with greater integrity and greater commitment because of your influence on them. Expect greater order, discipline, love, and faithfulness at your home as a result of your leadership. You know, it's not a commandment. John the Baptist does say, bear fruit worthy. So it is a commandment with John. But Jesus never says, bear better fruit or even bear fruit. It's not a commandment. It happens. It just is. It's natural outgrowth of being plugged into the vine. So bottom line is this. If your faith is about the same size as it was three years ago, If you can't really remember the last time you felt prompted by the Holy Spirit, if the people around you that you have the most influence over have about the same character as they had three, four, five years ago, well, don't beat yourself up. But you may ask yourself, am I still plugged into the vine?" Maybe you have the accoutrements of being plugged in. Maybe all the the religious stuff is around you. you got all the the look of Christianity around you. But if these things aren't happening, ask yourself, am I really plugged into the vine? Maybe I got the axe. Now, that's a threatening thought. And somebody here is saying, well, does that mean I'm still saved? Well, we're not talking about salvation here. Jesus says you're, you're clean by the word that I've spoken to you, okay? It's not about salvation. Sometimes I'm afraid the, 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 the question, am I saved, is almost a question. It's almost tantamount to saying, can I go now? <laughs> did, I, did I take care of everything? I, do I have my chip now, Lord? Can I go? we get saved not to be satisfied, but we get saved in order to serve. That's what it's all about. So, when we're talking about getting the axe, as it were, we're talking about an opportunity to come before the Lord on our knees and say, Lord, please plug me back in again. You know, most people don't lose their faith out of rebellion or out of a terrible crisis or even out of a sense that God let them down. Most people lose their faith just by sort of putting it on drift mode and just kind of cruising. So, if you're plugged into the vine, you, your faith will grow. The Holy Spirit will use you. You will make a difference in the kingdom. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when so let me, let me close with a story this is a story about Jim and Gail who are members of our church they've been members of our church for about 15 years Jim and Gail uh, attended for about the first 12 years maybe once every 2 or 3 months came by and I asked them later on I said, what, what motivated you to come to church during those years and they said well we thought it was probably a good idea It thought it was the right thing to do thought maybe that's what our parents would want us to do I said, great. I said, man, 12 years on that motivation is pretty good. Um, About three years ago, um, some people started pouring into their lives. And I I watched this transformation. It was amazing. They began to get more excited about being in church. They began to think about how their faith might apply to their lives. They began (coughs) getting together with other uh, members for uh, Bible study and fellowship, supporting each other. You could see the the lifeblood, the life stream flowing in their in their um, in their lives. And uh, Jim is now an elder on the t- on the church. Uh, they're active. Their um, you know th- their faith is alive. So they wanted to have their kids baptized, kind of as a as a sign and symbol that you know this is this is for real now, because they hadn't done that yet. So I, we sat down with them for a pre-baptismal counseling session. And they were talking about their kids. They have a a four-year-old and a five-year-old. And they said, we're so excited because when these kids go to uh, the neighbors for a party, you know, and we get together for barbecue or something, and their kids are running around with our kids and so forth, and our kids will ask the neighbors, "Um, are we going to say grace now? (laughs) Awkward. Um, Not everyone says grace, and they didn't know that. And so they uh, just asked, you know, are we going to say grace now? And their parents were so proud. Jim and Gail were so proud of them for their faith was that important to them. They wanted to say grace before meal. So Jim says to me, Norm, thank you for your great work at the church, the great youth ministry and great children's ministry that you have for having this influence on our kids. And I said, whoa, wait a minute, Jim. (laughs) I, I mean, thank you for thinking of us and and i'll take maybe a little bit of credit for for some that the church does but Jim, this is not about the church this is about what god is doing in your life and in gail's life your kids wanted to say grace at their neighbor's house because of the impact of your life on theirs that's where this is coming from folks when we're plugged into the vine We don't have to wonder whether God's going to use us. He will make a difference in the lives of others through those who follow him. Amen.